This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When a person is reported missing to the police, it's the local force who begin the investigation. More often than not, the person is found soon afterwards, many before the police have even begun their search. Cases are prioritised, given a low, medium or high-risk status. Those deemed high-risk will see officers mobilised and evidence gathered from the missing person's home. Officers will speak to neighbours and search for CCTV. The investigations can escalate, sometimes involving specialist search units, helicopters, dogs, underwater search teams. They're looking for clues, evidence, anything which can shape the inquiry. But a much smaller number of cases work differently, because while it's police in the UK who are alerted, the missing person has disappeared while they're abroad. In this episode, we tell the story of Sanjeev Kundi, a British man who vanished while on a tourist trip to Paris. It's a story that continues to baffle his sister Pip and leaves a hole in the lives of everyone who knew him. It's, it's almost like it's surreal that it's actually happening to somebody else, but you know it's actually happening to your family. All of a sudden, you've got this huge curveball that sort of comes flying in and you don't know how you're going to deal with it. I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series brought to you with support from the charity Missing People and investigation specialists Locate International. They've come together to bring you real stories of real missing people, each one they believe could still be solved. This is The Missing. Sanjeev Kundi.
While this episode deals with a disappearance overseas, it very much begins in the UK and in the noisy, action-packed house that Sanjeev Kundi, his sister Pip and their three other siblings would call home. We had quite an idyllic childhood, really. My father worked as an engineer. My mum worked. She used to run a nursery. And I suppose as far as siblings go, uh, we got on all well. We had a lot of fun. My brother was born in the UK. He's about four years younger than me. Uh, We're four sisters and he's our only brother. So he's in the middle. Probably was a little bit tough for him. So just like all siblings, isn't it? You argue, you throw each other out of each other's rooms, you borrow stuff. It's just like any usual family. While it's hard to draw conclusions, Pitt wonders whether those early years shaped her brother's life in a way that led to his disappearance. I suppose being the middle one up five of us, you know, he, he encountered struggles later on in his life. He went to the local school and the secondary school and, um, and then went on to, on to university. He got a job and I suppose he really sort of just got on with his life until a few years before his uh, disappearance. He'd gone through some struggles. It was the mid-noughties and Sanjeev found himself out of work. Finding it hard to pay the bills, he moved back home with his mum and dad. I can imagine it, it wasn't something that he'd want to do. I don't think anybody... Anybody, uh, once you sort of leave home, having to go back uh, to your parents um, is a difficult decision anyway. Um, The fact that he did do that, I suppose, in some ways it gave him uh, some security, but in other ways it probably uh, isolated him. His life was, uh, you know, taking a different uh, path. The move had an impact on Sanjeev's health. Pip remembers that he found it tough. You know, when you lose your, you know, when you don't have a job um, and you you can't buy the things or do the things that you wanted to do, um, yeah, I suppose it affects you. You probably just sit and think then, well, you know, you know, how come everybody else is getting on and what am I supposed to be doing with my life? There was a bit of pride in there, I suppose, as well. You know, pride of wanting to have a career, wanting to have a job and wanting to show, I suppose, to his family and parents, uh, this is me and this is my life and I've you know, done really well. For a while, Sanjeev was prescribed medication to help him through. He was a regular in one of his local coffee shops. He'd spend his days just watching the world go by. But by 2013, signs were there that he was bouncing back. I believe that, you know, his medication was reduced quite considerably. Um, And, you know, he didn't really need to take much anymore. And by September 2013, Sanjeev Kundi was embarking on an adventure. I actually didn't know he was planning a trip. Only was made aware that he was, uh, he'd gone 
when I spoke to my parents, just you know, I asked how he was, and they said, "Oh, he's gone off to Paris." For the first time in years, Sanjeev took an overseas trip to take in the cultural sights of the French capital. It seemed to be a fairly impromptu trip, organised just a few days before, after Sanjeev had come back from a day trip to London. The week before he went off to Paris, he uh, had taken a train down to London. I think he was hoping to sort of catch some of that London fashion week that was going on. He was interested in fashion and clothes anyway. And he came back and he said to my parents, you know, he's off to Paris on the, I think it was on a Wednesday. He'd got his ticket and he'd see the mail about a week's time. Remember the short time frame between booking the tickets and going on the trip. It's something we'll revisit a little later in the episode. But at the time, nothing about Sanjeev's newfound adventurous streak stuck out to Pip or the rest of the family. I think my parents didn't really question it very much. Um, they thought, you know, wow, you know, it's really good that he's uh, finding something that he wants to do. He wanted to go uh, travel and look at the galleries, I believe. And so on the 25th of September, 2013, Sanjeev was up early and on his way to France. He'd had his ticket and he, I think the morning of the day that he left, my mum didn't really get to see him, actually. She was, my mum's, she's diabetic. And she was putting her insulin in. And um, my understanding is he, he sort of, my father was just sitting uh, up on, in the bed and uh, his train was early in the morning. So sort of my brother appeared at the door and my mum was literally behind the door putting her insulin in. And uh, he said, OK, I'm going now. And they said, fine, have you got everything you need? And he said, yeah, so I'm off. I'll see you in a week's time. And off he went. He seemed, must have been quite excited about going off on his own, uh, finally, you know, hopefully putting the struggles behind him. Um, and yeah, it, it seemed perfectly normal to them. It's an innocuous wave goodbye, a moment that only became memorable when, over time, it became apparent that it would be the last time they saw Sanjeev Kundi. Since then, my mum and dad regret all the time of, you know, of not asking probably why, why didn't, why didn't, you know, why didn't he tell them where he, what, where he was staying? Why didn't they ask, I suppose? But, you know, they didn't think for one minute that he wasn't going to return. It's only by piecing together the events that followed that we have any clue about what happened next. So he leaves on the 25th of September from Warwickshire and heads down to Marlebone. And from Marlebone, he goes off to St Pancreas. He's seen going to through CCTV. The police have picked up that he went through the turnstile at St Pancreas. They have got him on, on the CCTV footage there. Um, he boards the train to Paris and he arrives at the Gardenor at about, I think it's about eight o'clock on the day he leaves his home. 
On the face of it, it's a simple journey from Warwick to London and then across to Paris. But the times of each leg of the journey leave some big holes. In fact, it takes less than 90 minutes to travel from Warwick to London Marylebone. From there, Sanjeev could have taken a taxi or the underground to St Pancreas Station. He could even have opted to walk. Whatever mode of transport he chose, it would have taken no more than an hour. Then there was the journey to Paris, taking two hours and 20 minutes. So that's a total journey time of five hours, plus another hour for the change of time zone in France. But if Sanjeev was leaving the house early, and he didn't arrive in Paris until 8pm, where did he go for the rest of the day? Again, it's something we'll come back to later in the episode. What we do know from Sanjeev's journey was that for the leg to France, at least, he was alone. We have witnesses who uh, sat uh, near him at that train, on the train there, um, and they have said, you know, he kept himself to himself, uh, didn't really sort of ask any, you know, didn't speak to anybody, um, and they saw him get off at the garden or as well. So we definitely know he got there. And that's not quite the last sighting, because 13 hours later, the following morning, Sanjeev was back at Paris's main train station. So on the 26th of September, at 9.35am, he goes back to the Gardenor stage at the Eurostar desk where it is alleged he made an in-person cash booking for Homewood Travel for the 1st of October. However, there is no CCTV. And did he leave here and think, you know what, uh, when I get there, I'll see what it's like and uh, I'll, I'll get the return ticket uh, when I know whether I'm staying seven days or three days. or I, I always think, is, is that why that happened? So on his first day in Paris, Sanjeev was booking his ticket home for seven days' time. Why hadn't he done it the night before? Why was he rushing to get a ticket so soon after arriving? And where had he spent his first night in the city? The issue of his accommodation became all the more pertinent when witnesses revealed there was something unusual about Sanjeev's belongings for a week-long trip. As far as we know, the witnesses uh, say that there was they didn't see any luggage with him. Um, you know, he had, uh, I think, as per the sort of the particulars that were published when he went missing, he was wearing a you know like a brown coat. Um, uh, and he had glasses, and, uh, but he didn't. It didn't appear to, that he had uh, a luggage with him. No luggage, and it's not clear whether he had any when he left home. My parents, of course, didn't see any luggage because they just thought, oh, it was downstairs, and he'd come upstairs to say, you know, he's off. So they never thought anything more about his luggage. The whole question of the luggage and the train tickets feeds into the puzzle of what Sanjeev was doing in Paris. 
Where was he planning to go? And where did he actually go on that first night after arriving at 8pm? We don't know where he spent the night. Um, as a matter of fact, um, up to the point he was supposed to be returning on the 1st of October, you know, six nights in Paris, where did he stay? Um, the problem is, is, you know, you can speak to the hostels, um, did he stay at the hostels? Did he stay at the um, hotels? Obviously, his pictures were, uh, you know, sent out. But it's like everybody's, isn't it? It's such a tourist destination, trying to sort of spot one person. All of this information was learned after the event. Because for those seven days at the end of September in 2013, Sanjeev's family assumed he was having an enjoyable holiday. It was only when the week ended and he didn't arrive through the front door that alarm bells started to sound. It was probably a few days after he was supposed to be returning. Um, I think I spoke to my parents. Uh, they said that, you know, he was you know, they expected him. He was only going for about a week um, and they couldn't remember, I suppose, you know, was it the first? Was it the third? Was it the... He was going for a week. Um, so I I think at that point, because my mum was like, or my, my parents were just wasn't sure um, exactly what day he was supposed to be returning. I suppose they probably didn't know because... He didn't have a return ticket, did he, when he left? So um, I, I think my parents just wanted to hang on, hoping that, you know, perhaps he decided to stay a few more days longer. So when that didn't happen, I think it was a case of, um, you know, I you know, sat down with my parents and said, we need to uh, alert the police. from making the call. I think my parents were just holding on to that hope that not to sort of uh, disturb the police or anybody else, hoping that he's just going to walk through the door. Um, and they didn't want to make extra work for anybody else, uh, thinking that, it, you know, was it just him and did he just uh, think he'd stay on a few days? 
and then just come back. But unfortunately, um, I think it was probably a week and a half after that. I think it was just after that. I think we, you know, sat down with my parents and said, "No, you know, you've got to. We've got to speak to the police now." So we contacted the police, um, and he was reported missing on October the fifteenth. The call initially went in to the UK police. They prioritised the report using the information they had. A male adult who hadn't come back from his holidays on time didn't rank high on the list. If he was a, um, you know, a youngster under the age of 18, I think the police would just, you know, that would be quite, you know... I think that like the Madeleine McCann case, you know, uh, it's a child... Uh, you know, there is alert all over the world, you know, child's gone missing, that kind of thing. But when it's an adult that goes missing, um, I don't think sometimes um, the urgency is there. With Sanjeev last known to be travelling to France, the case details were shared internationally. There was little the British police could do if Sanjeev was still in Paris. What tends to happen is, is that Interpol becomes the intermediary between the UK police and the French police. So uh, Interpol were notified. Now, my understanding is, is that they, don't, they didn't uh, actively search for him. Because he was an adult, they, you know, they didn't think that at the time that they were actively going to go and search for him and they didn't. When I look back at it now, I think uh, it, it just tore my family apart if I look back at it. My parents, my mum and my dad were just inconsolable. My sisters were distraught. I, I can't, it's, it's almost like it's surreal that it's actually happening to somebody else, but you know it's actually happening to your family. That um, all of a sudden you've got this huge curveball that sort of comes flying in and you don't know how you're going to deal with it. From there, with the French police in overall charge, little seemed to be happening. There were no sightings, no reports of anyone matching Sanjeev's description, which puzzled Pip. My brother wasn't, he's, he was a fairly, he was a big bloke. He was six foot one or two. Um, he was, he was quite, he was tall. He was quite broad shouldered. He would stand out to find that no, you know, people, people couldn't find him. I find it unbelievable. It's like, you know, like, you know, people say looking for a needle in a haystack. I find it unbelievable that my brother was quite, he, 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 you would, you, you'd be able to spot him in the street. Let's put it that way. Um, and to find that there has been nothing. I just can't, I can't, I find that hard to believe. For me, somewhere, somebody somewhere knows what's happened. Searches were eventually carried out. The police learned of Sanjeev's use of medication and his case was escalated to a high risk. 
officers began to question whether he'd gone to Paris with the intention of taking his own life. I don't believe he would have taken his own life. Um, I, I would find that one hard to accept. Instead, Pip has her own theory. Remember how Sanjeev had planned his trip to Paris just a few days after returning from a day trip to London? And recall the time missing from Sanjeev's journey, time unaccounted for while he was in London. Pip thinks it's possible that Sanjeev met someone, someone who offered him a job or enticed him to Paris, gave him a reason to go and encouraged him to waste little time in booking the trip. I was wondering, did he meet anybody in London at the time? Was he lured as a, of a promise of a job? Has he been duped into somebody saying, you know, there's a job out here, why don't you come along? Could it be possible that Sanjeev went to Paris under false promises? Or perhaps even real promises, the lure of a new start, a new life, out of the rut he was in at home? I don't know. I don't know if there, if that if uh, if there is anything sinister behind that that did he go off and try to live his own life? I don't. I I think he would. I think uh, he would have uh, his siblings, especially, would have had an inkling that that's what he was planning to do. And I think there wasn't anything there. Whatever it was that prompted Sanjeev's journey to France, the fact remains that there hasn't been a single sighting of him since he booked a return ticket less than a day into his trip. Posters have been put up. Pip herself has explored the areas she feels are most likely to hold a sighting. But she's drawn a blank. I've walked, uh, you know, uh, we've walked the streets of Paris, you know, looked at the homeless areas of Paris, uh, been to the hospitals, uh, the morgues, uh, various charities, handed out posters, uh, even sort of, I think my father went out and sort of reached out to the Sikh community there, um, but still not, not a single lead, really. He's never once used his card to withdraw cash or use it. And he's not used, and his mobile phone just pings back. So we believe it's either gone out of charge. Um, it's just not, you know, you can't do anything with it. No use of his bank cards, no trace on the mobile phone, and no sightings. It all combines to one huge hole in the mystery of what happened to Sanjeev. But Pip believes someone knows the answer. You have to fortunately hold on to hope. Hope that somebody out there, you know, it triggers something in somebody and they come forward and they at least give my parents uh, and my the rest of my siblings some peace to move on with their lives because again, you know, their lives are sort of in limbo as well. I would say just pick the phone up, pick the phone up, email, whatever, you know, you don't even have to give your name. 
It's just a case of any lead, any information may lead us to knowing a little bit more about uh, what happened um, and if he needs help, if he's okay, you know, anything. The police case has dwindled. The file is in a cabinet and the door is shut. It'll take new information or a credible new lead for the case to be looked at again. And that's the same for many of the cases in this series. They all need new information before they can be re-examined. The people you've heard from in this case hope that listeners can provide that new information. Visit our website where you'll find an image of Sanjeev. Did you see him on that September day travelling to Paris? Were you in Paris? Did you take photos in the train station around 8pm that evening? Could you have captured Sanjeev on camera? Or were you there the following morning, around 9.30am? There's all sorts of leads and information that could breathe new life into this case. So Pip asks you to share this episode and help to spread the word of her brother's disappearance. We've put the details of this case on our website, themissingpodcast.org. On there, you'll find images and details, not just for this case, but for every case we featured on the show. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime. 